Darkness is a Gentleman. Shakespeare, King Lear, Act Three, Scene Four. It was autumn. One morning I went to Via Marchese Gualdi, because I had to get Signor Garamond's authorization to order some color photographs from abroad. I glimpsed Allier in Signora Grazia's office, bent over the file of minutious authors, but I didn't disturb him because I was late for my meeting. When our business was over, I asked Signor Garamond what Allier was doing in the secretary's office. The man's a genius, Garamond said. An extraordinary mind, keen, learned. The other evening I took him to dinner with some of our authors, and he made me look great. What conversation, what style! A gentleman of the old school, an aristocrat. They've thrown away the mold. What knowledge, what culture! No, more, what information! He told delightful anecdotes about characters of a century ago, and I swear it was as if he had known them personally. Do you want to hear the idea he gave me as we were going home? He said we shouldn't just sit and wait for ISIS-unveiled authors to turn up on their own. It's a waste of time and effort to read when you don't even know whether the authors are willing to underwrite the expenses. Instead, we have a gold mine at our disposal, the list of all the minutious authors of the last twenty years. You understand? We write to our old, glorious authors, or at least the ones who bought up their remainders, and we say to them, Dear Sir, are you aware that we have inaugurated a series of works of erudition, tradition, and the highest spirituality? Would you, as an author of distinction and refinement, be interested in venturing into this terra incognita, etc., etc.? A genius, I tell you. I believe he wants us all to join him Sunday evening, plans to take us to a castle, a fortress, no more, a villa in the Turin area. It seems that extraordinary things are to happen there, uh, a rite, a Sabbath, where someone will make uh, gold or quicksilver. It's a whole world to be discovered, my dear Kasabin, even if, as you know, I have the greatest respect for science, the science to which you are devoting yourself with such passion. Indeed, I am very, very pleased with your work, and, uh, yes, there's that uh, little financial adjustment you mentioned. I haven't forgotten it, and in due course we'll talk about it. Allier told me the lady will also be there, the uh, the, the, the beautiful lady, uh, or perhaps not beautiful, but uh, attractive. There's something about her eyes. That friend of Belbo's, what, what, what's her name? Lorenza Pellegrini. Yes, there's something, no, between her and our Belbo. I believe they're good friends. Ah, a gentleman's answer. Bravo, Kasabin. But I do not inquire out of idle curiosity. The fact is that I feel like a father to all of you, and... Uh, Glissons à la guerre comme à la guerre. Goodbye, dear boy. We really did have an appointment with Allier in the hills near Turin, Belbo told me. A double appointment. The early hours of the evening would be a party in the castle of a very well-to-do Rosicrucian. Then Allier would take us a few kilometers away to a place where, at midnight, naturally, some kind of druidic rite, Belbo wasn't sure what, would be held. I was also thinking, Belbo added, that we should sit down somewhere and give some thought to our history of metals, because here we keep being interrupted. Why don't we leave Saturday and spend a couple of days in my old house in... name omitted. It's a beautiful spot, you'll see. The hills are worth it. Dio Talavia's coming, and maybe Lorenza will too. Of course, you can bring along anyone you want. He didn't know Leah, but he knew I had a companion. I said I'd come alone. Leah and I had quarreled two days before. Nothing serious, it would be forgotten in a few days, but meanwhile I wanted to get away from Milan. So we all went to, name omitted, the Garamond Trio and Lorenzo Pellegrini. At our departure, a tense moment, 
When it came time to get into the car, Lorenza said, Maybe I'll stay behind so you three can work in peace. I'll join you later with Simon. Belbo, both hands on the wheel, locked his elbows, stared straight ahead and said in a low voice, Get in. Lorenza got in, and all through the trip, sitting up front, she kept her hand on the back of Belbo's neck as he drove in silence. Name omitted, was still the town Belbo had known during the war. But new houses were few, he told us. Agriculture was in decline, because the young people had migrated to the city. He pointed to hills, now pasture, that had once been yellow with grain. The town appeared suddenly, after a curve at the foot of the low hill where Belbo's house was. We got a view beyond it of the Monferrato plain, covered with a light luminous mist. As the car climbed, Belbo directed our attention to the hill opposite, almost completely bare. At the top of it, a chapel flanked by two pines. It's called the Brico, he said, then added, It doesn't matter if it has no effect on you. We used to go there for the angels' lunch on Easter Monday. Now you can reach it in the car in five minutes, but then we went on foot, and it was a pilgrimage. 